It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Why would you like the... Why would you like me calling you Allison better than Alice? You Did said, I say that? This morning you said that. When you were your I sister. said sometimes I like the name Allison. But no, and I like it too. My cousin's Allison. It's very nice. I love the name. But I Allison's think sometimes it's like more waspy even than Alice. So you want to be waspy? I didn't say that. I just said because so my sister was over and she was interested in the podcast question let's, that we got. Let's add a my disclaimer name? just to just to make things uh uh, completely transparent and dispel any <laughs> curiosity whatsoever. Earlier than the day, Alice's sister was over. Yeah. Our neighbors were over. Yeah. And Bloody Marys were over. What's the question? So, I, oh, great. <laughs> yes. And, and in, a, in a sense, it's not over. So, so that is what happened. So, but you mentioned today. I don't get what the transparency issue is, though. <laughs> I just want to make it known if something seems different about you at all today. There could be other factors at play, and it is not um, that you were puffing WD-40. It comes from a somewhat less scandalous uh, place. No, I mean, I just... Can you listen to the microphone, Alice? I just... This is a question that I received, which was, why were you so adamant that your name was Alice and not Alice? License registration, please. License registration. This is a, yeah, this is what we call it. Why are, de- Dewey. why are you like this? <laughs> I'm not I'm like not- anything. I was interested in why you liked the okay. Alice. You know what? Allison over Alice. You know what? In. Oh, here we go. Oh, no. Uh, we don't have to. Alice, I'm not sure we have to air out all of this function at one, one time. Oh, uh, yeah, you son of a bitch. Well, here's a few things people might not know about you. That's not what happened. I'm just saying it's okay if you serve a Bloody Mary in the morning and I drink one. That's yeah. not like a leal or something. No, it's fine. Okay. I'm full for it. So, 
why am I like in trouble because with people, you? <laughs> people might assume, Alice, perhaps maybe depending on your, where your speaking pattern that you've had a stroke. And I just wanted them to know that it's not true uh, that there were Bloody Marys served earlier in the day, which may have led to later in the day. And that's fine. Everything's fine. But that, I, don't, I don't understand the judgment that I'm getting I mean, from no your judgment. corner. You're not getting any judgment. I am getting a lot of You're judgment not, I am from all, your side of the Alice, room. I plied you with drinks me. today. I was not. I think almost every drink I gave you, and I gave our neighbors, and I gave myself. Although I did have this semi nap thing. Thank you for saving my life last night. By the way, I, weirdo. <laughs> what did I do now? Well, Why you physically abused me last night. No, I made you get up out of bed because your friend came over. My friend is 39 years old. He lives next door. I don't have to go down and play with him, <laughs> he Alice. He came over the house. <laughs> it was And I like, made you get up out of your bed where you were sleeping without yes. your CPAP, I might add. I uh, and So yesterday we saw my daughter's play twice. And the, the day before we saw it once. And so um, our neighbors came with us. And our neighbor's mom... Or the mom who Anyway, our neighbor... Um, she and I enjoyed a refreshment during the play. It was the third time we had seen it. And I wanted to try the experience with a refreshment. And so we had a couple of refreshments beforehand, really strong beers, which I wasn't expecting. We had two beers. I had two beers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, and we may have supplemented during, uh, intermission down at the car, Alice, because we're very mature people. And, um... And so, by the time we got back here... I don't know. For me, the thrill of seeing mm-hmm. the musical theater experience was this plenty is, for me, personally. That's very exciting, Alice. That's <laughs> it was be. exciting. I, I understand, but you know, I don't think you're quite following along. Okay, but it doesn't matter. So, so why do you like to be Alice sometimes and Alice and sometimes? So, anyway, last I night... I like so my, to be Alice. So, anyway, you I got would... home and, and had a beer and... Uh, Went to bed. You can use other terms for it. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't plug myself Some in. Some people say Irish goodbye. Right. And so Alice then forced me to get back up an hour later, like at midnight or one or two, whatever. No, it was it was like 9 p.m. Right. Okay. okay. And anyway, I Baby. was finished for the evening, Alice. It was a long day. I it was, was still like 9 so p.m. So I was made to, and she physically ripped me out of my bed. And I'm, I'm at least 200 pounds, I think. <laughs> but she was like jerking me around. I mean, in a full body, but cleaned up but anyway and so i had to go downstairs catatonic but that doesn't matter so anyway that that uh, that elephant tailed into t- this morning i think and in some kind of way same people involved yada yada which is where alice said that she wants to be allison instead of allison I I just no i didn't say i want to be allison this became because somebody asked a question of the show because you call me allison sometimes right. so people asked what my name is and my name is actually Alice. So I was asked by a relative who came to see the show if I actually am, if I prefer Allison or Alice or like why I was so adamant about Alice, right? And it's not that I'm adamant. I like the name Allison, actually. But if you're asking me what my name is, my name is actually Alice, even though you call me whatever you want because you're just like that. So Alice had mentioned it was Major Seymour Waspy. I thought the name Allison. I feel like it is. I feel like it's more waspy. And since you've stolen my identity, you now get to be more waspy because you're now a shattuck. Well, my mom is waspy. She is. She is. Although, I mean, what do you mean? Although, well, I mean, Nolan 
Is that yeah. the problem? Uh, Scotland, Ireland, Wales. <laughs> That's a different uh, conversation Anglo for a different time. Saxon. What? Which brings me, I, you I talked about Anglo-Saxons. Okay. That's why I want to come, bring to the, come to this first topic of the day. Mm-hmm. Today is June 5th, 2022. Okay, we're pretty close to D-Days. Exactly. Okay. June 6th, 1944. This is Russell Stover. I don't know if he's a candy, candy? guy or not. Remember, Alice, remember your first look. You can go on. You can hold the ball. You don't have to throw it in the first look. This is what I, this is what I'd say to people. Um, if I say who are you going to call, you don't have to. Ghostbusters is there. It's always an option, but you don't have to. Russell Stover of the candy. Yes, I know it was. Well, right. you don't know if it's up the candy or not. I don't. You could have done a little research. I did, and, then you and it was know. inconclusive, and I didn't have time. Go ahead. All right, I'm going to try to get the car out of the ditch and back onto the highway, okay? <laughs> Teddy Kennedy. Okay, Russell Stover. <laughs> Teddy Kennedy. That's you. <laughs> I'm Teddy Kennedy. Teddy Kennedy. I don't think I've driven well, anyone Irish, off a too. bridge. <laughs> How am I Teddy Kennedy? Okay, so. No, I would like to re. I would. Russell Stover. <laughs> er, record scratch. No, it's no record scratch. Else. <laughs> No, I, how hi, Teddy, Teddy Since Kennedy. I'm working alone today, I need to start to begin to construct a show You're here. not working alone. So listen, Stop the it. way too drunk, hot, blonde, during 16 Candles with Anthony Michael Hall. No. I appreciate your being a human form who's attractive, but I am I have a little work to do. I gotta get the car to the place. Are you serious right now? I'm gonna, I want to talk about something, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck. But you're stuck calling me Teddy Kennedy. I don't actually think you're Teddy Kennedy. I know you don't actually think I'm Teddy Kennedy, but what's the comparison exactly? (laughs) Can I continue with my story? Or uh, uh, well, I'd like you to finish. Russell Stover, Kennedy, (laughs) 116th Infantry Regiment, U.S. 29th Infantry Division. The ramp went down, and we leapt out into waist deep water in three foot waves. Some lost their footing, some their weapons. We had more than 200 yards to go to the high water mark. Some engineers were working to our left. There was only one tank ahead to the left, but it wasn't firing or moving. There were no, quote, instant foxholes either. In other words, the, the Navy pounded the crap out of the beach. So they thought there'd be instant foxholes. There were none. There wasn't one crater for cover. There wasn't even one D-U-K-W uh, duplex that? drive. Uh, I'm going to DKW, which I believe is a duck boat, duplex drive amphibious truck with artillery firing on the machine gun placements on top of the bluffs. No Piper Cubs overhead to direct the naval fire. It was very obvious to me that many plans were going wrong. There was a boat burning to our right, heading back out. We waded through the surf in floating debris. I looked back and saw that we were in good formation, well spread out, just as we had practiced dozens of times before. Reaching the sand... I tried to run, but I find, but found it was difficult. My impregnated pant legs were filled with water. The extra weight took its toll, and about halfway I fell to the sand, exhausted. I thanked the good Lord for the smoke that still covered the bluffs. A shell had started a grass fire. If not for that smoke, we would have not made it in. Recovering, I started running again. The man to my right didn't follow. I think he was our first casualty of uh, ten. But there is there is some just incredible accounts. It's interesting. There's some some great accounts of D Day that are are just like that that are just notes. 
It- well, and what strikes me about it, honestly, is just the sort of chaos and the feeling that like plans were going awry or not going as things were supposed to happen. And it's, it, it's interesting because we look on D-Day as sort of this great success story and the ultimate victory that it was, like the start of beating Hitler and beating the Axis and and winning World War II, right? We look at D-Day as like the beginning of victory, right? Mm-hmm. But like had things gone differently, we could look at D-Day easily as a disaster, you know, like so many people died during D-Day, first mm-hmm. of all. I mean, like you could just start with that. Things obviously didn't go completely as planned. Stuff didn't happen as people thought that it would. And we could very easily be analyzing D-Day a completely different way and saying like, you know, how much it was a screw up. Yeah. And I was thinking of having a or, 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 or trying to get somebody on tomorrow, a general or a strategist saying if somebody had pitched D-Day as is, I don't think there's any way they would have done it like that. And let me just read a few more quotes. Um, the casualty rate was obviously huge on uh-huh. Omaha and um, and Utah Beach. Well, that's where the Americans were, and it was a it was a mess. Well, and, and I would just add one thing before you read those, which I do want you to do, which is that it to me it really speaks to how much like our perception of things that happen is colored by like what they ultimately mean in the long mm-hmm. run and how hard it is to make calls as things happen about what they mean and what the significance of them is you know like like our perception of d-day is colored by knowing that we eventually won world war ii right like so that's our that's influencing our whole way that we look at d-day and what it means as it should right because mm-hmm. because the significance of d-day is not known on june 7th the significance of d-day is only known years later right and that's you that's something like you can't you actually can't analyze history as it happens and know like how history will look back on this thing mm-hmm. right is that that it's you you can't know how history will view us and what we did you can only do the best that you can in the moment and hope that history sees you a certain way but but history is complicated and you can only know what history means years and years later that's why it's history right uh, undoubtedly and, and I don't know if it was Iwo Jima or D-Day, but my grandparents used to have a Life magazine. It's probably still up there at the house. That kind of changed everything. You know, the boomers always talk about that the world started for them. JFK died, etc. But, but there was a, a a Life magazine full edition from war correspondents that showed dead American GIs who had died badly on the beaches. Oh wow! And and to, to them, my grandmother, I remember her and my dad talking to them. It was just shocking. Because you didn't see young dead American boys in pictures anywhere. Yeah, you know, obviously there was no. I mean, in the Civil War, I guess there was there were there were cameras, but but it, it, the shock of it all, mm-hmm. you know, especially since this was not in the homeland. You know, World War One had certainly happened, but this was this is it was it, to them just shocking uh, to see kids who looked like it, all the other American kids who were just dead. As we got close, this is uh, Sergeant Richard Herklotz, U.S. Twenty Ninth Division. As we got closer to the beach, hmm, you can smell the grass cut. I know. I was just thinking that, that you made me open the window and I can smell the cut grass. Yeah. Is, that, is that our neighbor, Dan? I don't know who's cutting grass. Although it is a bit late. The, the, it's 7.21. The etiquette usually says 7 p.m. Who shall I rat out? Shall we call the police? Um, um, 
by the way, our, just so you guys know, there was, do you even know, Alice? You were catnapping uh, earlier. And, uh, Why are the judgment from that side no of the room, by the way? There's Alice. a lot of judgment. I you? would never. Who am I to judge everybody, anybody on mm-hmm. this topic, especially? Mm-hmm. No, but but there was the neighbor's dog got through their fence and into our yard and chased a guinea fowl deep into the woods. And either there was there was a successful attack at one point. She's so funny. Our neighbor is so funny. I don't want to say her name because people will know her. She is so funny. She said, I don't know if if the dog, it's a huge dog, and the guinea fowl ran instead of flying because they're geniuses. She said, I don't know if it if it's dead, Tom, but I can tell you it's not coming back. <laughs> I thought, oh, my. There we go. Oh, wow. Okay, here we go. Wait, Sergeant- but that's what you wanted. You wanted fewer guinea fowl. Uh, yes, this is a happy story. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, I yeah. thought, uh, okay. No, no, it's great. Okay. So, um, Sergeant R- uh, Richard Herklotz, this is from June 6, 1944. As we got closer to the beach, we saw that casualties were floating in the water, just like refuse in a harbor. There was this and that equipment floating, soldiers, sailors. It was very disheartening. For hours off the coast, we watched the tide bring out the debris and the bodies of those who died. Um, up at four, here's another person. Up at, uh, no, 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 actually, let me go to another one here. I have a question. Yeah. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not, but like, mm. how close are the Normandy beaches, like the o- Omaha beach and those ones, to Dunkirk? Uh, Far or close? I don't know. I don't know. I can look it up. I, I don't no, know. No, I'm just curious. You know what? Like, in, it's my sort of... minds, in my mind, I always see Normandy as being... A, like reverse Dunkirk? As being a, an invasion from the south through Europe that way, which is, of course is not. It's But I assume no. it's got to be fairly close. Uh, Normandy, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't actually know. But I, I mean, like, in my mind, it's sort of like I can sit... I, just based on history class, I like think about Dunkirk and like that as being the last sort of retreat from Europe by mm-hmm. Britain and sort of the saving of all these British soldiers off the French beaches, right? And then sort of the reverse happening back into so you into know what France I'm glad you asked that. Norman okay. Dunkirk is on the is way it's up super north. north, right? It's on the coast of Belgium in France. Right. Normandy is way down south. It's it um, is. It is 444 kilometers south, Normandy. Like, I mean, not which, that far south. Which right? makes sense. Still because, like but, well, the northern part of France, right? No? Yeah, it's still the northern part of fr- France. Okay. But, 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 but 400 kilometers south. But I think, you know, there was a diversionary... Um, Fleet sent up near Dunkirk, I believe that Patton was the fake army, oh, okay. the the, um, the balloon army, the rubber army, whatever was up north staging. Oh, and so they yeah, thought, the ghost army, that whole right. thing. And so they thought that they were going to attack. The Germans thought that they were going to attack up. Okay, north. yeah, I see. It's sort of like a bunch west. Of, a bunch of things happened, but the problem is, is that when they hit on um, uh, on um, is it Utah Beach, uh, Omaha Beach, the Germans that was an a very experienced and top-notch crack infantry was waiting for them. Here's another guy's uh, thing. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah, it is pretty far. It's like really like west. It's like the westernmost 
bit of France. Where all up at four fifteen a.m. Breakfast four forty-five. It was quite unpleasantly rough, and I did not feel much like eating. Went onto the upper deck about five o'clock just in time to see a destroyer blow up and sink within five minutes, a mile or two to port. I think uh, through striking a mine, it was rather appalling. The ship just cracked in half, and the twins folded together as if it were a pocket knife. It's Ken Wright, First Special Reserve Group Brigade. Um, hang on. This is Anonymous Private, East Yorkshire Regiment. It was like a bloody Skittle Alley. The lads were being bowled over right, left, and center. I thought to myself, you'll be lucky, bugger. You'll be a lucky bugger, bugger if you make it up there. Christ, it were bad. Alfred Leonard, Merchant Navy, says there were dismembered personnel in the water, which was upsetting. From a young man's point of view, up to then, D-Day had been exciting. With all the guns going off, everything on the move, and nobody getting killed. It was pure excitement. But when you see the dead chaps in the water, you think, crikey, what is this all about? The beach was total chaos. This is Captain, Captain Joseph T. Dawson, 16th Infantry Regiment. The beach was total chaos, with men's bodies everywhere, with wounded men crying, both in the water and on the shingle. We landed at high tide when the water was right up to the shoreline, which was marked by a sharp-edged crystal-lined sand, like a gravel, but very, very sharp. That was the only uh, defilade which was present on the beach to give any protection from the fire above. Defilade, I assume, is obstruction or cover. Uh, that was... That was where all the men who had landed earlier were present, except for a handful who had made their way forward, most of them being killed. The beach sounded like a beehive with the bullets flying all around. You could hear them hit, and you could hear them pass through the air. Jesus. Uh, anyway, anyway, thank you to uh, those that generation for doing that. But uh, I can't... You, 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 it, that was a matter of throwing, first of all, the it's, it's the biggest armada ever in naval history mm-hmm. together and pounding the german defenses with it seems little effect yeah <laughs> which is which is one of the things that sucks about war in in it in and it's the great equalizer to current day war with the olden day war is it's men being on the ground is <laughs> is the difference right i mean i remember um a classics 
Greek, Latin, and associated literature. Okay. And the Iliad is a, a Homer thing? or a- Right. Homer has the Iliad and the Odyssey. The Iliad is the Trojan War with okay. Achilles. And the Odyssey is Odysseus heading home Okay, on his trip in his boat. Meeting Cyclops, Circe, oh. Scylla, and Charybdis. Oh, isn't that um, Heracles? No? No. Heracles oh. is Hercules. Okay. But Odysseus is one of the people who is at Troy at the Trojan War during the Iliad. Ilium is the name of Troy. So this so So the Iliad is the story of Troy. So your Troy. classics teacher was saying My classics teacher said and I don't know not being at West Point myself, but this is what I was told that at West Point they read the Iliad, which is a hmm. a story of war, mm-hmm. right? And it's interesting. A lot of people think of the siege of Troy as being about the Trojan horse, right? Which doesn't actually appear in the Iliad because the Iliad ends with the funeral of Achilles. It ends before the Trojan horse. The story of the Trojan horse actually shows up, you know, in other texts that we have, but isn't actually in the Iliad. The, the Iliad ends before the Trojan horse and the Odyssey picks up after the sack of Troy and the Trojan horse, right? So, okay, and this is the the Trojans are supposedly leaving, departing, and they have a gift for the people. Of- Troy has Troy is the city. The Trojans live in the city. Oh, okay, Troy's the city. Okay. So the Greeks, this is like beware of Greeks bearing gifts, right? Like this is the the Greeks pretend they leave, mm-hmm. they hide all their ships, and they've been at war for ten years trying to sack this city. They've been on the beaches. Right. They Hmm. came to sack Troy because the king of Troy took Helen, his daughter, his his son took Helen, who's the most beautiful woman in the world, Mm -hmm. from the the king of uh, of um, Crete, from the Mycenaean kings. Right. So um, Helen goes to Troy with Paris and uh, that's Brad Pitt. No, no. Brad Pitt's Achilles. Okay. Um, Helen goes with Paris. Um, Paris's older brother is Hector, who's like the big warrior of Troy. Mm-hmm. The king of Troy is Priam. And they have the city of Troy, which the Greeks come to then sack to take back Helen, right? So they're in charge. The greatest warrior of the Greeks is Achilles, who's this big warrior. That's Brad Pitt in the Troy movie, right? So this is the story of the Iliad, right? And the Iliad. Um, Achilles is mad at this king who's in charge of the expedition because he takes a slave girl from Achilles that Achilles had as the spoils of war that that king wanted. So he takes her from Achilles and they're in a fight about it. So then there's a whole fight. Achilles refuses to fight and things go against the Greeks because Achilles, who's the greatest warrior, refuses to be involved anymore and he takes all his people and they just Mm -hmm. sit on the sidelines and don't do anything. Now, then his buddy, who's his best friend, goes and gets involved in the fighting, wearing his armor and pretending to be him and things like go back their way because his best friend goes and, and his lover, really, probably because they're Greeks. Jesus, uh, Alice. That's that's how the ancient Greeks were, though. Is like they didn't really, they weren't really, you know. They well, 
I don't know. That's how it is. So his friend goes and gets back involved and becomes involved wearing his armor, pretending to be him. And Hector, who is the great warrior of the Trojans, kills him. Mm-hmm. And now Achilles gets really pissed off. Mm-hmm. So he gets back involved in the fighting. He kills Hector. He humiliates him. He drags his body behind his chariot. He's like terrible and just awful in general. Mm-hmm. And, you know, eventually, it, obviously, the story of Achilles is that he gets killed by his ankle, right? The Achilles mm-hmm. heel because his mother dipped him in the river sticks except for his ankle, right? But, so, but, 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 but um, Achilles, Achilles drags him around to people to see by his... Ankles. Oh, but, oh, oh really? I, I thought he did something to his man parts. Mm, no, but it's, sure? I mean, but it's humiliating to the city of Troy because he takes our great warrior who's the mm. prince of Troy mm-hmm. and, you know... Ties him to the back of his chariot and drags his body around behind his chariot around right. the city, which right. is like which is he's, you know, and F you. Anyway, but that's that's where the the Iliad leaves off. The Iliad is really about war and violence and what it does to people and and you know what people are like in war. Right? That's that's what the Iliad's about. The Iliad is about. Battle and destruction and okay. killing other people. So why? Right? Are the, why did the? Why did the? Okay. So, the so they read it in West Point. Okay. So so what my classics teacher was saying to to our class was that at West Point they read the Iliad because even though like okay, well I told you to plug it in. So if you plug it in, it won't run out of batteries. So James, James, can you plug in the phone? James. James will help you plug in the phone. Yeah. Go, 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 go. He's taking care of you, okay? You look James nice. is going to help you plug nice. in the phone. Wow, okay. what a pushy kid. Look at that. So, okay, well, thanks for moving the camera. James, stop it. James, be nice. James, do you want to lose everything? So anyway, so the point is that, like, even though the methods change over time, like, war is still just war, and killing people is still just killing people, and it doesn't change that much because we, like, to change the type of guns that we use or change how we do it or mm-hmm. whatever, and that, that, you know, something that's 3,000 years old can... St- still be relevant into understanding like the human mind and especially the human mind at war and and how it affects people right and and what war is like right and not being someone who's ever been in a war i can't speak to how that's like necessarily true but but i do think like reading these accounts it is striking like to think about the fact that you know, people dying is still people dying at mm-hmm. the end of the day. And we've been doing this a long time and it's not new and it's not progressive and it's not like special when we do it, you know, and even like you look at what's happening right now in Russia and Ukraine and all this stuff and like, you know, it, people killing people isn't new or creative or original. Like it's it's still ultimately the same. Like people killing people still ends up being the same thing. And and. And has the same impacts, both like psychological and and societal that it did thousands of years ago. And I don't know, the more we try and escape 
like what human beings are like. And I just I think that we end up in the same places a lot for a species that thinks it's getting better all the time. I I don't know. Captain Edward W. McGregor. We hit the sand and found ourselves behind the bodies of the amphibious engineers who had taken a terrible beating. Eventually, we started moving up a draw where some engineers had been in, which was marked with tape. Isn't that interesting? They marked with tape the way to go where you can live. We had several casualties, and I know at least one officer right near me was killed stepping on a mine. We came to the top of the ridge and tried to advance a bit, but there was a large German bunker in front of us, and its machine gun fire hit us every time we tried to move. At this point, we didn't have any communication with the American destroyer behind us because within five minutes of landing on the beach, the naval ensign officer had been killed, his driver too, in a radio set destroyed by a shell which landed right on top of them. So we planned an assault against the bunker. I volunteered to take some troops with me, but before we could get organized, there were huge demolitions around the bunker. An American destroyer had moved in and was firing direct with four-inch guns into the bunker. That destroyer, I think, had um, had uh, run aground on purpose to get close enough to pound the bunker. Hmm. By late morning, the Americans had secured both Utah and Omaha and were now fighting their way inland. U.S. Rangers had successfully assaulted a German gun battery at Ponto Hawk bet- between the two beaches. A little further east, among dunes and marshes, the British had also begun their assaults on the beaches sword and gold while the Canadians third armored stormed Juno. Like the Americans at Omaha, the men of both nations faced brutality on a scale not seen since World War One. Hmm. Hmm. Um... So, all right, let's uh, move along here to uh, well, a couple things. One, I want to, I want to, and I'm very excited about this. Noah Rothman's new book is coming out. Okay. Um, because it's something that's very prescient and important. This is his Twitter um, announcement about his book. Hi, guys. I just got some of the first copies of my new book, The Rise of the New Puritans, Fighting Back Against Progressives' War on Fun and I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. You've probably wondered why when you sit down to watch some sports, it's so often accompanied by agonizing over racial dynamics in America. Why you can't sit down to a meal without confronting cultural appropriation. Why your clothes must comport with your ethnic background. And why you can't enjoy a joke without some agonizing moral associated with it because somebody somewhere suffered so that you could enjoy comedy. For most of our adult lives, it was the American right that disapproved of your tastes and thought American culture had put this country on a road to damnation. Increasingly, that's changing. It's often now the American left that's coming after your pastimes and diversions. And in a truly puritanical fashion, they seek to ensure that you have no escape from your duty to dwell on the world's horrors. This book answers those questions. It skewers this outlook. And it provides some recommendations for those of you who want to continue to enjoy. So it's Nora Rothman, The Rise of the New Puritans is, is the book. But I bring it up because that is precisely the Felicia Somnes thing that is now all over the place. And I love this. So so this guy from the Washington Post mm-hmm. retweets or, or says a joke. He retweets somebody who says somebody a joke. joke. Right. All women are by. Yeah, the joke is that he retweeted somebody else saying is all women are bi, you just have to find out whether it's uh, polar or sexual. Right. Of course, which is, uh, you know, boorish guy humor, fine. It's, right, it's stupid. It's meant, it's, to say, it's meant to say, 
women, women are crazy. <laughs> right. right. You know, in, Just which type of crazy are they? Right. Ex- that's the joke. Exactly. And it does parallel, you know, some people's feelings that women are highly emotional creatures or international or whatever. You know, like Graham used to say, and a lot of people used to say, Michael Graham, I'm talking about, you know, is it men or pigs? Which is, by the way, true enough, I think. You can agree, Alice? I mean, sure, yeah. He used to say women, men are pigs and women are crazy. And like... Whatever it's a it's a it's a you know a it's a broad stroke uh you know encapsulation of some crude cliche whatever it is it doesn't matter but it's it's also something that like Noah Rothman was just saying should be okay just to say because we live in a world where you can do humor stuff but it's not okay and now there are victims at the Washington Post the people right. who write for the Washington Post by the way are pretty much the most privileged people in the history of human civilization. But go ahead. Right. So the Washington Post, anybody who works at the Washington Post, you're already in like the top 1% of 1% of humankind, right? So, but anyway, Dave Weigel, who works at the Washington Post, retweeted this tweet. Every girl is bi, you just have to figure out if it's polar or sexual. And Felicia Somnas... Right. Who's a reporter at the Post? Dave Weigel's a well-known reporter at the Post, mm-hmm. and so I, is Felicia Somna. Oh yes, but I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I assume he's a liberal, or is he conservative? I don't they're, even know. He's a liberal. Okay, yeah. Right. They're both. They're both liberals. Son. And it looks like her name is Sonmez, which I was Sonmez, saying. Sonmez, right? And she, last thing I, I remember her talking not. about was that when Kobe Bryant died, that hey, by the way, he was a rapist, and, and right. she was mad. Right, right, right. She likes, she's much like Taylor Lorenz, loves to launch attacks on Twitter. But if ever she is attacked, then there is pure misogyny and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. hatred happening. So she retweeted Dave Weigel retweeting the tweet, which he subsequently unretweeted because he was in trouble at work and apologized for retweeting. She retweeted it. and said, fantastic to work at a news outlet where retweets like this are allowed. Which, first of all, like, how does your job own what you're, quote, allowed to retweet? Like, (laughs) fantastic to work at a news outlet where retweets like this are allowed. Like, I demand that my work stop anyone I work with from ever retweeting anything that I don't like. Yes. Uh, You're not allowed to find jokes like this funny. And if you do, even though this has nothing to do with me, etc., then I am. This is, I mean, right. Obviously, she is humorless and probably nuts, and which makes the point uh, of the joke, I think, actually. I, <laughs> so then another colleague of both of theirs, somebody else. So, this is a like a totally inter Twitter blue check war. Mm-hmm. These are all Twitter blue checks who all work at the Washington Post. And so another person who works at the Washington Post, who's also a Twitter blue check, Jose A. Del Real, uh, replied to her and said, Felicia, we all mess up from time to time. Engaging in repeated and targeted public harassment of a colleague is neither a good look, nor is it pr- particularly effective. Okay, so I'm going to assume that his thing that he said to Felicia is considered... Uh, rape or <laughs> something like that it turns the language of inclusivity into clout chasing and bullying i don't think this is appropriate Ooh. <laughs> she did not like this oh hit say. with a woke bomb oh. 
Um, and uh, then he goes on, fighting sexism and misogyny matters deeply to me. I will always Whoa. admire your bravery in sharing your story, and I support your fight against bravery. retribution for doing so. Entirely separately, I hope you reconsider the cruelty you regularly unleash against colleagues. Oh, God, I, this is a tough one for me. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I am on this person's woke team so far. And uh, she did go say that, you know, the same goes for racism, anti-LGBTQ discrimination and denigration of any marginalized group. And he said, I reject your attempt to make a specific critique of your regular public bullying into a sweeping opera about principles. As I said, Weagle's retweet was offensive and should be called out. It was strongly condemned internally, so I'm confused about your implication otherwise. And then, so she obviously screenshotted all this and then tweeted it all in a thread where she said, when women stand up for themselves, some people respond with even more vitriol. Last night... A post colleague publicly attacked me for calling out another colleague's sexist tweet. He first hid any replies objecting to his attacks and now seems to have deleted his account. Objecting to sexism is not clout chasing. It's not harassment. And it's certainly not cruelty. Does the Washington Post agree? She says, tagging in her bosses. Can you imagine this kind of drama at work? Here's a personal thread I wrote last night about why speaking out matters to me and other women. They have only themselves to blame for this. Obviously, in a world where we have symmetry and things are validated and we have conclusions that, you know, we have debits and credits... And things offset each other so we can come to an equilibrium. Obviously, you would say, Felicia, is it Sanmez or Samnez? And she would say, it's Sanmez. And in, in the real world, you would say, okay, Felicia Sanmez, you're fired. There's somebody here from security who's going to watch you put your stuff into this box here. But only your stuff, not that stapler, because we know that that belongs to the office manager and, and that's not yours. And now you need to leave the building and you can't come back in the building. Because you're destruction, destructive force, and you must go forever, Felicia Sanmez. That's what would happen in the real world, should happen. But, I mean, this goes on and on, and her tweets, like, don't stop. Jose, Dave's retweet was indeed terrible and unacceptable. It was also public, and it's important that all those his who retweet saw... Was a, his own thing, him retweeting somebody's joke about women being bipolar or bisexual. And, by the way... You would actually have to parse pretty quickly to think, first of all, are, are we, are we, is she making a judgment on somebody who's bipolar? Is that a negative thing? Are we judging somebody who's bisexual? Why did she consider that a slur? I believe according to the woke rules, both of those things are to be lauded. I mean, sure. She's being yeah. ableist by looking down on bipolar people. Um, but rallying the internet to attack him for a mistake he made doesn't solve anything. That was Jose J. Real. And he says... It's important that all those who saw Dave's tweet also see the Washington Post reporters standing oh, up for our newspaper's values, one of which is that comments denigrating women will not be tolerated. Shut up, you 
dumb broad. You, I'm so sick of it. You, God, you may it. view it as a simple matter of someone messing up. I view something it something historic has happened here. Says the God knows how old person. I view it differently. But My she timeline. gets to be famous as some sort of uh, you know a pioneer, interesting thinker, etc. Meanwhile, uh, you know June 6, nineteen forty four, men ran into machine gun fire in water over their heads while they were being dragged down by their own equipment minute to minute but no she's the real hero she blows my suck. go to hell bro my timeline this pat we'll finish on, on the patreon okay we'll finish on the patreon including taylor lorenz's week at the washington post which has also been very historic for various reasons and uh, you can head over to the Patreon show. That's patreon.com slash burn barrel if you want to listen to that. We are always available for free at uh, burnbarrelpodcast.com, on Twitter as at burnbarrelpod, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.